Need to take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 3. We're going to continue our Bible study in the book of Romans. We are not going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Uh, we're studying the book of Romans, what I would call topically, kind of topic by topic, uh, which kind of takes us through the whole Bible. Romans is kind of like uh, the whole Bible compacted into one book, and it kind of pulls all of the doctrines of the Bible together. And uh, I think tonight it will help you. Of course, we've talked about uh, the gospel, what it is, and the five different parts of the gospel. We talked about getting the gospel out, all those things. And again, uh, as I've said so often, I please don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm probably too strong on this. Uh, there's only one gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I know some of the kids heard me say this, and I'm glad they caught on to it. It's not the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, or the gospel of Luke, or the gospel of John. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, those were only the penmen. It's not in their words. If it's in their words, it's worthless because they're sinners. These are God's words. The only difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament is people in the Old Testament looked ahead to Calvary. We in the New Testament look back at Calvary. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, you find out before there ever was what you would call the law. I mean, there's many different laws, but before the law, Abraham, Noah, Moses, others, uh, Adam, they all were saved by grace through faith. They were looking ahead as we look back. That's the only difference. Now, let's jump into Romans chapter 3 tonight. Totally different topic. I'm going to talk to you tonight about man's religion does not change truth. Man's religion does not change truth. Let's start reading in verse number one. You follow along. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Now I want you to notice the word Jew there. Much every way. Chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make faith in God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, and every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness, our unrighteousness commanded the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then, how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath uh, uh, more abounded through the, my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as uh, to be slanderously reported in some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jew and Gentiles, notice that, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now, look at me, let me teach for a minute, and then we're going to jump into the Bible real good and hard here. Let me remind you something I have said over and over and over in the last two months. God's promise in the Bible was not to the Jews and their religion. It was to the race of the Hebrew people. The word Hebrew is a race of people. The word Jew is a religion of people. 
Does that make sense to everybody? Uh, now, the Jewish religion was the reason Jesus was crucified. You see, the religious Jews were the ones that Jesus had to fight against the entire time he was here on his earthly ministry. It was the chief priests and the guards, and it was the high priest, and they were the ones that were upset on Palm Sunday. <laughs> we just went through what the religious world would call the Holy Week. Gag. Now, I'm not real smart, Brother Andy, no comment. But I'm smart enough to know Jesus wasn't crucified on a Friday and resurrected on a Sunday, and there's three days and three nights. There's no such thing as Good Friday. I have no understanding why Baptist churches want to celebrate a Good Friday service. They don't have any more sense than the Catholics do. Everybody doing okay? Don't get mad. You're going to kill somebody in a minute. Now, wait a minute. Do you know what Jesus did on Palm Sunday? Oh, they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Yeah, and then he made a, a whip, cat of nine tails, and he went into the temple, and he started cracking the whip and kicking over people's tables and said, you've made my, my father's house a den of thieves. Get out of here. Yeah. That's in the redneck version. Amen. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, then they got mad. Why? Because money was involved. And they said, look, we're going to destroy you. He said, you destroy me. I'll destroy this temple in three days, raise it up again. They said, oh, who do you think you are? By the way, that's why they crucified him on Wednesday. And he resurrected on Sunday morning. But remember, good uh, Palm Sunday, that's when he went in and kicked over the tables with the money changers. They weren't real happy with him. By the way, he didn't keep Passover. He changed Passover to the Lord's Supper. He didn't even keep it. Everybody doing okay? Why? That was religion. He was the Passover lamb. He didn't want tradition to supersede truth. And too often we allow tradition to supersede truth into thinking that tradition is truth. Just like the virgin birth of Christ. As I taught weeks and weeks ago, the importance of the virgin birth of Christ is not the virgin, it's the father. Any lady could be a virgin. There was only one father who could father a child with a virgin. And she remained virgin. The miracle of the virgin birth is the father. And as I taught you, if you even, and I don't recommend you do a whole lot of study on this, but even the Catholic religion, you hear the term immaculate conception. It's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about Mary. They teach that she was the one that was the immaculate conception. That she was the one that was translated to heaven. That she is the queen of heaven. The term queen of heaven is mentioned twice in the Bible, and it's both times about a false god. Everybody doing okay? Well, if you pray through Mary, uh, that's the mother of God. Jesus would have to listen to her. That means Mary's greater than Jesus. And I have a problem with that, and so does God. Now, too many people are trying to understand the Bible through false religion. And that false religion is the religion of Judaism. Please listen to me here. 
we miss some of the greatest truths in the Bible. And we hinder ourselves based on the fact that we want to study the Bible through Judaism. Please listen to this. Those are the yardbirds Jesus was preaching against. Jesus was so against Judaism that he started the church. Jesus didn't say, upon this rock, I'll build my temple. He didn't say, upon this rock, I'll build my synagogue. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. By the way, where did he go preaching and teaching? The temple. He went there to get people saved, to pull them out of that, into the church. Say, well, I don't think you ought to proselyte like that. He wasn't. They weren't believing the truth. (laughs) Why do churches today want to define Christianity by going back and participating in the religion Jesus was preaching against? I don't get it. The whole Bible is to Christians. It's to save people. We talked about the Apostle Paul, in, especially in the book of Acts, when we were studying Acts. <laughs> we say that he was a foreign missionary. I'm not against saying that. But he was still going through the Roman Empire. And most of the churches that he went to were in the country of Turkey, which is where he was from. Tarshish is in Turkey. Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, and others. Uh, Ephesus, they're all there in, in Turkey where he was from. Now, wait a minute. Uh, The whole Bible, but especially the book of Romans, is about Jesus and Christianity. By the way, Romans were not Jews. Am I doing okay? I had a supposedly educated Baptist preacher friend of mine one day say, well, the Bible was only written to the Jew. He got this Bible study in full force one day and I came unscrewed now listen to me the Bible was written to all races of people not to one religion of people it was written to all races to the Jew first and also to the Greek to the Gentile we saw the word Jew and Gentile do you know that the word Jew is only mentioned in three places in the Old Testament The book of Esther, the book of Jeremiah one time, and the book of Zechariah or Zephaniah one time. Listen to this. Every time Moses, God came to Moses and said to to go to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, these Hebrews. It was a nation of people. Everybody look at me for a second. And I'll mention this in a moment. Did you know that the Abrahamic covenant was about a nation, not a religion? It is about a race of people, not a religion of people. I'm an American. Thank God. You don't need any adjective before it. I am an American. Doesn't matter if I'm white, black, green, purple, chartreuse, I'm colorblind, doesn't matter anyway. 
doesn't matter what my ancestry is, I'm an American. Does that mean every American is an independent, fundamental, soul-winning, hell-raising Baptist? No, they ought to be, but they aren't. Now, listen to me very carefully. Just because we're an American doesn't mean we're a Christian. Just like because you may have been Hebrew didn't mean you were a Jew. Okay, everybody doing all right? Now we're fixing to hit the real Bible study here. Religion nor race defines truth. God's word defines truth no matter what the race is, no matter what the religion. The Bible said we read it in Romans chapter 3, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care if the sign out front says Baptist, if they preach wrong doctrine, it's wrong. Everybody doing okay? Now hang in there. God's promise to Abraham was to make a great nation, not a great religion. Go to Genesis chapter 18 very quickly. Genesis chapter 18. Let me show it to you. This is God talking to Abraham about what would be known as the Abrahamic covenant. That's a real fancy term for a covenant God made with Abraham to make him the father of a race of people that God would choose as his chosen people. Now, look at Genesis chapter 18. Look at verse number 16. And the men arose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great great and mighty religion? Oh, what does it say? Nation. Ah. And all what? Nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Did he say anything about a religion there? Yes or no? No, he did not. So the covenant that God made with Abraham was about making him a great nation or a race of people. Correct? Yes, sir. All right. Now, uh, <laughs> Genesis chapters 16 and chapter 17, don't look at them right now. Write it down and go back and read it later, records Abraham's sinful relationship with Hagar due to his wife's lack of faith. This is when Sarah says, I'm too old to have a baby. God promised to make you a father of a nation, so I can't provide children for you. Take my handmaid, and you can have a child with her. And a boy was born, his name is Ishmael, the father of the Ishmaelites. Now hang on. He became the father, by the way, God told him that he would be the father of a race of people. It is the Arabian people. Did you know that he had 12 sons? This is where the Muslim religion came from. They're the descendants of the Ishmaelites. And they believe because Ishmael had 12 sons and Abraham's children were to have the 12 tribes. And because Ishmael was born first, even though he was not the promised seed, that they have rights to the land of Israel. 
And the battle we have today between the Jew, the, the, the Hebrews, the Jews, and the Muslims is because of Sarah and Abraham and their sinfulness. Ishmael was born 13 or 14 years before Isaac. But Isaac was the promised seed. The Muslims say, well, Ishmael was born first, so we have birthrights to those places. And that's what the battle still going on 4,000 years later is all about. Now, I have to skip some things here. Hold on. Proof that the covenant was about a race and not a religion. Why then are Ruth and Rahab in the lineage of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 5 and 6. They weren't Jews, but they were Hebrews. They are in the lineage, the kingly lineage of Jesus, to give Jesus the rights to the throne through the line of David. Everybody doing okay? Do you realize that Rahab was King David's great-grandmother? Rahab the harlot from Jericho is King David's great-grandmother. Why? Because she was a Hebrew. She may not have been a Jew, but she was a Hebrew. She had the lineage nationally. Everybody doing okay? You see... (laughs) It is a national issue, not a religious issue. God did not organize, listen to this, a religion in the wilderness. He organized a nation in the wilderness. Thus you have the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are civil law. They have nothing to do with going to heaven, never have, never will. They were the ten laws that the Hebrews were to judge themselves by in a court of law in the wilderness and when they got to the promised land. That's why in America we hung them in the courtrooms because it is civil law. You could keep all of the ten commandments and die and go to hell if you're not saved. That is not the law. As we saw last week, it's not the Levitical law. The Levitical law was the priestly laws of the, of the religious portion of things to show Jesus is the lamb and the high priest coming one day. It wasn't the moral law because there were so many points of the moral law that were, they went either way for many different things. So what law then do we have to keep or what law have we violated? And we saw last week in the book of Romans, it is the law of sin and death. It is not the civil law, it's not the Levitical law, it's not the moral law, it is the law of sin and death. Now, hang on. He set up a nation in the wilderness. He set up uh, an assembly for a nation to hear the Bible and to get the gospel so his people would be saved, so they could be the epicenter the chosen ones, the blessed ones, by God to get the gospel around the world. But they chose to go after the traditions of religion instead of preaching the gospel. The Hebrew people were not only the ones with the truth. 
Did you know that Abraham knew God before there ever was a Hebrew? Adam, Noah, should I go on? That means before there ever was a Hebrew, people were getting saved. So it's not the only people who could be saved. You see, when when God came to Abraham in the land of the Ur of the Chaldees, which is eastern Iraq, right on the Euphrates River, he said, I want you to leave here and go to a land that you know not, and I will make thee a great and mighty nation, and I will bless you and your descendants forever, and my son will sit upon the throne. And he said, but I want you to leave everybody. Don't bring them. By the way, one of the reasons Lot ended up in trouble was he came with Abraham. Abraham stopped at his homeland to get him on the way, and he wasn't supposed to. That means this. When God came to Abraham until he left the land of the Urchalides, it was 500 years since the flood. God promised to track human history through the Hebrew race, not the Jewish religion. God wanted a nation of people, not a people of religion. That's why 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their what? Land. That is a national issue, not a religious issue. So, in Romans 3, verses 1 through 4, we see that the religion, the race uh, is the issue. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there among circumcision? And they're, they're, they're debating, is it better to be a Jew or a Gentile? And it comes down to this, it does not matter because we're all unrighteous. Doesn't matter if you're white or black. Doesn't matter if you're Spanish. Doesn't matter if you're... Uh, Irish, I don't think we have any redheads in here. If you did, it turned gray. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're a Polak or if you're a, an Italian. You know what I'm talking about. In Ohio, if your name doesn't end in E or Ski, you're in the minority. <laughs> At least northeastern Ohio, trust me. Now, wait a minute. Uh, you have to understand that uh, the the Jewish religion is a very snotty, clicky religion. If you're not part of their club, you don't get in. It's a by birth thing only. Everybody doing okay? And they look down on their nose at everybody that's not. That's where you get the Pharisees. That's where you get the Sadducees. That's where you get all of this. Well, uh, remember in the book of Acts when Peter went and preached and they said, look, Gentiles can't be saved. And if they do, they're going to have to keep all of what we do. Uh, they have to keep the, the Jewish traditions. And Peter said they got saved the same way we did. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit just like we are. Guess they don't need to. Everybody doing okay? They couldn't see how anybody could be saved outside their own religion. I believe Catholics can get saved. Amen. Some of you ought to say amen to that because you were one once. I believe Muslims can get saved. I even believe Democrats can get saved. <laughs> it takes a little bit more work, but it, uh, 
I mean, let's face it. Uh, now, I don't believe when you get to heaven, God's going to ask you what religion you are. It's not like when you used to check into the hospital, and you had to check all these questions, you know, what religion are you? Now they don't care. Now, by the way, that's, this is why through history, God blesses a nation, not a religion. Isn't it amazing how God through the ages, preacher, has blessed nations who have had revival and preached that book right there? England used to be the hotbed of Christianity, and God blessed the nation of England. But then they turned to the religion of Catholicism and all the other things, and the, the, the Puritans and the pilgrims left and came to a new, Amer- new place called America. And they started for the freedom of religion, and when revival took place in America, look how God blessed America. And we sing the song, God bless America. How about America bless God? So God always blesses a nation, not a religion. As I said before, God says that he places on us the responsibility of getting the truth of the gospel out. The Bible does not only contain the message, but God gave us the methods to do it with. This is not just a divine book of message, it's also a divine book of method. And if we'll do the right message, God's way, it works. It was not about a religion. Now, I personally believe the first church was a Baptist church. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Let me ask you a question. Who was the one that baptized Jesus? John the what? Was that his last name? Well, that means John the baptizer. No, God's smart enough to say John the baptizer. He said John the Baptist. So if a Baptist baptized Jesus, that made Jesus what? A Baptist. Methodist. Catholics didn't come on the scene until 330 A.D. under Constantine. Your Methodists, your Presbyterians, your Episcopalians, all that came about through the, uh, the revolution under Martin Luther. By the way, in the book of Revelation, you have something called the harlot and the mother of harlots. Guess who the mother of harlots is? It's the Catholic Church. Guess who the harlots are? All the ones that broke off at the Protestant Reformation. Baptists have never been Protestant. We were here 330 years before there was anybody else. We did not come out of the Protestant Reformation. Did you know that Martin Luther killed more Baptists than the popes did? You say, why? (laughs) He wanted to be the Lutheran Pope, for lack of better terms. So, we do it God's way. He wrote the book. Let's just obey it. I've got to hurry. (sighs) Number one, that's all introduction. (laughs) Lord, listen fast. Here we go. Man's religion is all based on man's goodness or man's righteousness. Man's religion is all based on man's goodness and man's righteousness. Remember, we need the righteousness of Jesus Christ for salvation, not our righteousness. We read in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, 
No, not one. That means this. We are all unrighteous. And because we're sinners, we have no righteousness of our own. Turn to Romans chapter 10. I've used these verses in weeks gone by, but I want you to see them again. Romans chapter 10, look at verse number 1. These are important. I use these often while soul winning. These are great verses to use in soul winning. Romans chapter 10, look at verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, not Jews, Israel, a nation, is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of what? God's what? Righteousness. Notice that word. And going about to establish their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone that believeth. Look at me. You could be, it's not possible because you're a sinner. But you could live your whole life without sinning and die and go to hell if you have not lived enough righteousness. And the only way to have enough righteousness is to have God impute the righteousness of Jesus Christ onto your account. And the moment a person realizes they're a sinner, because they're a sinner, that there's a penalty on sin, and that penalty is death and hell, and that Jesus came, he paid our sin debt for us, he lived our righteousness for us, and if we'll trust him as our Savior... Not only does he wipe our sin away, but he adds, he imputes the righteousness of Christ onto our account. It is not just the lack of bad, but the presence of good. You're not a good teenager because you didn't do bad. You're good when you do good. You're not a good person just because you didn't do bad. You're a good person because you do good. You are not an, a righteous person because you didn't do as much unrighteousness. You are only a righteous person when God imputes the righteousness of Jesus on your account. That's how we get saved. That's part of salvation. Now, I must hurry. Uh, we could read Romans chapter 10, verses uh, 3, verses 10 through 23. We're not going to take time. And it ends up by saying, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Look how much religion is based on man's personal righteousness. I listed ten things. I'm not trying to be critical. Here we go. Baptism. Church membership. Classes being taken. I.e. catechism. How much money is given. Confession of sins. Speaking in tongues. Traditions and good deeds. Chanting prayers and praying with beads and other things. Praying to saints. Lighting candles and paying for them dearly. Uh, good deeds in general and the lack of really bad sins. All of that is man's righteousness. But most religion is based on those things. <laughs> My definition of religion is man telling God how God must accept man. Christianity is God said, thus saith the Lord, obey me, and you'll get it. Religion is man telling God how God has to accept man's good deeds. We must realize that no matter who we are, we're at best sinners. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, just oh, 30 pages or so over. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse number 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they are measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. Sound familiar? Well, did you really mean it? Did you trust Jesus with all your heart? Well, 34 years ago when I got married, I believed I loved my wife, preacher. But after 34 years, I found out I love her more now than I loved her then. Did I really love her with all my heart then or do I love her with all my heart now? And by the way, how do you measure what all your heart is? There is no way to measure that. And if there's no way to measure it, it's not in the Bible. Verse 13. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reached not unto you. For we were come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting in things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to the rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Notice the key word there is gospel, not comparing ourselves among ourselves. Too many of us are trying to compare ourselves among ourselves. Well, uh, I'm a better Christian than you because I do this. Puke. The fact that you have to say that means you're not. Sorry, I shouldn't say puke. Vomit. We have visitors. (laughs) The Bible in the life of Jesus is to show us our need for salvation. He paid it for us. What laws do men think we are to hold for salvation? I mentioned it. The Ten Commandments, the Levitical laws, the moral laws. None of these laws have anything to do with salvation. Those laws were only to try to keep man good with his fellow man and try to draw him closer to the Lord. But they had nothing to do with going to heaven. Sin transcends all man, all nations, All races, all colors, all religion. You see, we are sinners until we get saved. We don't have time to go to Romans chapter 2, but if you look at it in Mark, Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 13, let me read just a couple verses. Uh, but after uh, verse five, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to every man according to his deeds? You're going to stand before God for yourself, not for your church. You're going to stand before God for yourself, not your nation. And we have to answer to give an account of our self to God. Boy, I've got to hurry. Point number two. Being a Christian is not by our righteousness, but by receiving Jesus' righteousness. We talked about that. It's, it's, by the way, Jesus' righteousness was not to the Jews only. That's why in Romans chapter 10, verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, there's that word righteousness again, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth in him should not be seen. By the way, it says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God brought it first 
to the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. But then he said, take it to everybody because it's for everybody. It's always been for everybody. And it's not just 144,000 only. God wants us not to see race or religion. He wants us to see people as people. (laughs) That's why I can sit and my wife and I can sit in the house today with folks from West Africa. And they wanted to sing. I said, well, I don't sing real well. She said, well, lead. I said, you start it, I'll sing. <laughs> what were we singing? I forget even what we were singing. I've been preaching, I forget. Um, what's that? Oh, yeah, how great thou art. Man, them black people can sing. Mm-hmm. And she had the old hands going. Now, we ain't doing the conga line tonight, all right? It ain't happening. I enjoyed hearing them sing. They were hitting harmony. I wasn't even hitting the right note, but I was having fun. Now, wait a minute. Uh, they, and they were so overwhelmed that somebody would come see them. They're people. God didn't make me special and them unspecial. I don't look down on them because they're a different race of people. Did you know their soul has no color? Did you know their soul has no nationality? They're people. God loved them enough to die for them. By the way, (laughs) this means that the depth of sin does not matter. The fact that you are a sinner matters. Well, there are just some sins that are so deep. Show me in the Bible where that's true. Because if you went to Revelation chapter 20... But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the sorcerers and all whoremongers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth the fire and brimstone. God puts liars in the same bracket as whoremongers and murderers. I guess God doesn't have a degree of sin then. Well, I didn't kill somebody real bad. I just killed them lightly. I didn't mean to, so I really didn't kill him, right? That's what we're telling God. Oh, i got to hurry. It's 8 o'clock. Romans chapter 3, one last verse. I'll finish. Let's crash land the plane. Romans chapter 3, look at verse number 26. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is the boasting then? Is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Now look at me. We are saved by the law of faith, not by the law of works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. That is a relative pronoun. That word that renames the preceding noun. And that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. Turn to Romans chapter 12 real fast. Romans chapter 12. We don't even have enough faith to get saved. God even has to provide the faith necessary for salvation. Salvation is so free 
that you can't even use your faith to get saved. Because according to Romans chapter 12, look at verse number 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, that faith, is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God even has to give us the faith to get saved. Then we take that faith and say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. 1972. One-legged man standing in a primary church in Camp Baptist Temple. Mr. Humphreys. Vietnam vet got his leg shot off and had a, literally had a peg wooden leg like a pirate. Preached on hell one day in, in junior church. And this little four and a half, five year old boy walked over to his Sunday school teacher and tugged on her dress and said, I don't want to go there one day. Knelt down at a little first grader sized chair. She opened up the pages of the Bible and showed a little boy how to get saved. I don't know her name. I thought she was old. I have no idea. She was probably 25 or 30. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Somebody take that sword out of my back right now. <laughs> Wait a minute. That little lady has no idea. That day happened to a little boy that she won to Christ in a junior church. Hundreds of thousands of people that have been saved. 42 years of preaching. 34 years of full-time Christian service. Someday, she's going to be shocked in heaven. But she gave a little boy the truth. You want to hear another part of the story? I was preaching in a roll-off home. My aunt and uncle were running in Mississippi. Preaching a graduation. Stood and told that story one night, Brother Thayer. Just like I just told it. Gave the invitation and three girls came down, got saved. One, buddy, she was, she was a squalling. I mean, tears running, snot flowing. I mean, her, her face looked like she got hit with a mud pie. <laughs> Then mixed a bucket of snot with it. My aunt came to me. She said, Craig, you got to hear, hear this. she got to tell you something. I said, all right. And she's, <laughs> I mean, she's just a, she's going at it. She said, I got saved. And I thought, man, she must have really did something bad because she's really crying here. I said, well, I'm glad you did. She said, hang on, Craig. That's not it. Hang on. She finally got calmed down. She said, do you remember telling that story? I said, which one? She said, the one about that man that was preaching and you got saved that day? I said, yes. She said, that was my grandfather. He preached. I got saved. I preached. His granddaughter got saved. 
wonder had that man said, well, my leg hurts. I don't want to go preach today. If his family would have died and gone to hell. We don't understand the power of the gospel. It's by faith. It is the law of faith, not the law of your feelings. Not the law of how much of your heart you give. It is the law of faith. Salvation comes by faith, not by the deeds of the law. All salvation comes by him. And if it's by works, it's by us. Plain and simple. Because as it is written, there is none righteous. God didn't come for a religion of people. He didn't come for the Baptists. And I'd be one. Somebody said, Preacher, what would you be if you weren't a Baptist? Ashamed. (laughs) I am what I am. Holds as close to that book as we can get. I get it. But I believe there's more than just Baptists that are saved. I believe the farther we go into it, the fewer and fewer of them that aren't Baptists aren't getting saved unless it's a Baptist telling them how to get saved. Maybe we ought not look at the religion. Let's look at the race and see what God says about the race. And as you read the Bible, realize it's, by the way, that's why we shouldn't be going back practicing uh, Judaism in Baptist churches. Don't get mad at me. I don't think we ought to be studying Jewish customs in Bible colleges. Jewish customs don't matter. Those are the ones that killed Jesus. How about we just do what the Bible says? It transcends all time. 